Hello, and welcome to the Sound and Silence podcast. My name's Cameron. I'm a percussionist and composer. And I'm Matthew Lukens, uh, chaplain at Canterbury House. And we are your hosts and organizers of Sound and Silence, taking place here at Canterbury House. Uh, Canterbury House is the Episcopal Church's campus ministry at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. We're also a concert venue and a community center for artists and activists. And once a week, we do this, where we get together to experiment with contemplative music and contemplative silence. Mm -hmm. And once a month, we bring in a guest artist who provides the sound that brings us in and out of our shared silence. But before that, we like to take some time with our guest artist to talk to them about uh, their life, their work, their influences, uh, their sense of spirituality in music, contemplation, and silence. I am... um... Let's see here. Well, I run by the title of composer right now for the most part, um, but I have a background in percussion and um, and music education. And so kind of tying all three of those points together in any performance is really important to me. And so I try and make it so that um, when I do any sort of performance that's, that I have, you know, uh, curation control over what I'm able to program that there's ways that I can engage with people and, and start to, um, question the, the barrier between audience and, uh, attendee and performer and listener and kind of have it all be just a community music sharing experience. So, um, so that's sort of like a really broad background thing about me. I, um, I am, here in Ann Arbor, finishing my doctorate at the University of Michigan in composition. Um, and so I've been also tying a lot of this into my dissertation work. Um, and so that's, that's kind of tying in what I'm doing tonight, um, a little bit, and I can get to that in a second, but I would say a lot of this practice started, um, probably around 2017 or so, mm-hmm. uh, was around the time when I discovered, uh, Pauline Oliveros, who's a really important figure to me and, and somebody who's really kind of, um, been my, my musical spirit guide, if you will, mm-hmm. um, throughout this journey. So particularly her, oh, there's so many things about her that I, that I just admire, um, but one of them was just the like attention versus awareness and kind of thinking about what that means and and place in relation to that and bringing in elements of like ritual practice and community and what happens when you do those things over a long period of time. Alexis, that's awesome. Can you give us for the listeners who don't know who Colin Amaros is, let's a rundown of who that is? Yeah. Well, I would say the best way to describe her, if you get the chance, is to look up. There was a. Uh, the first publication of her sonic meditations was in 1971 in Source magazine, and she did like a three-sentence blurb about who she was. And again, in 1971, she was like, I'm a two-legged human, a woman, a lesbian, a musician, an advocate, you know, all of these things that were really um, pretty profound at that time. And uh, anyway, so so that's like... Please go look at that. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, she was an educator. She was a philosopher. She really kind of curated this idea of the deep listening practice. And probably her, her most well-known works are the Sonic Meditations, uh, which are all text-based scores. Um, they are able to be performed by anybody who's willing to participate um, 
and it's it really is uh, questioning those ideas of of how we listen and what we're listening for, and how we can create this element of um, communitas and and coming together, uh, both physically and emotionally and spiritually and musically and all of the lees, uh, but through the through the concept of listening and exchanging musical ideas with each other. So Beautiful. anyway, yeah, she's been, she's been a, a big hit in my life for the last couple of years. Absolutely. Yeah. And very foundational for like how this, this podcast, this event is taking place, like the merging of spirituality and music and all of these communal things. So yeah. thank you, Pauline. <laughs> last, uh, actually last year, uh, Steve Rush led us in to, uh, two of the medita- two things from mm-hmm. Sonic Meditations. Yeah. Um, also like what, uh, Kind of looking forward to what you're about because a kind of ongoing conversation is what what do we call this because it's like it's not a concert um but you know I, I like how your work is kind of breaking down that expectation of performance that it is more of an experience which is like exactly the kind of space we're trying to trying to make and trying to go for even though it's very hard to put like succinct words to that so far yeah, yeah. absolutely okay. Yeah. One way I've been talking about this is like the guest artist, quote unquote, like facilitates the silence or facilitates the the spiritual space for the the community who's listening. So I feel like I've always experienced that in your concerts, just being a space for me to like reflect and and feel things. And yeah, yeah. I had a fun time um, recently uh, last semester and and throughout, but just kind of like creating an artist statement for the first time. Mm -hmm. And, um, there's a, there's a whole series of things we could talk about with that. But, um, the, the main concepts that I start my statement with, and my statement is actually kind of a poem because I'm like, I don't need a paragraph. What do you like? You're not going to want to read a paragraph. Um, but I started with like my music, is about music making and music sharing. Um, and what does it mean to do both of those things? And like, what is the difference between them? And, um, so yeah, a lot of those kind of questioning practices, but also tying in things like, um, what, uh, the, the big, the big element of what I hope to bring tonight, aside from, we will, uh, hopefully do some, some work by Pauline. Um, I'd like to feature the, the text score called sound fishes, which is one that's really near and dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly because I love fishing and also like it's the text is just really, um, evocative for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But I also, um, have been spending a lot of time questioning whether, well, I, I guess, are there ways in which our human music can engage in natural soundscapes without negatively impacting those ecosystems? And so the opening, um, part of my set tonight is going to be an improvisation that I'm doing with, um, lots of resonant metal, uh, instruments and, uh, an instrument that I, that I brought with me that I helped, um, create the design for. And, uh, we're going to be improvising with um, some field recordings that I took this last summer uh, down on the Sabalo River in the, the Sabalo Wilderness Quiet Park in Ecuador. Um, so we'll get to kind of take a little journey. Uh, but it's called a quiet park. Yeah. That's so, nice. <laughs> so there's actually, the, the organization is called Quiet Parks International, um, and they their goal is basically like seeking out the quietest places in the world and, and making sure that those are protected. Uh yeah. So I, I was down there with the co-founder or the, the founder of it, um, Gordon Hempton, who's an acoustic ecologist and has spent a lot of time kind of thinking about what it means to um, have something like a national park, for example, but have planes flying over it. And what impact does that have on the on the 
community, like the soundscapes uh, and the the ecosystem that's on the earth. Um, but I also think about like large scale pieces of music that Cameron, you and I have played um, that are really loud and bombastic and very um, uh, epic in yeah, terms like of joyful. their size yeah. and and also like they're really fun to play and it takes a long time for the birds to come back afterwards. Um, and mm, like, yeah. how can we, how can we navigate that? What does it mean to take up space in that way? Yeah. Cause, cause you don't want to like not take up space sonically in the world, but, um, right. Yeah. Also right. make space for our friends in the trees and the ground. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. I, I like was thinking about the phrase, the nature park composer or what was it? A uh, park ranger composer that oh. I was trying to combine. So I think that's my vibe right now is that's, Park Ranger Composer. That's your gig. Yeah. Park Ranger Composer. <laughs> Dream gig. <laughs> I, I'd love to hear more, though, about like when this thread about like being in conversation with ecology started for you and how that's developed. Because yeah. there's been this really fascinating like secondary theme to Sound in Silence. I'd say about a third of the guest <laughs> artists <right>. are <laughs> doing stuff that's really in conversation with nature. Because like, your set was... Like yeah, I did a set last March where I um, explored. My drum set is made from a birch tree, so I mm-hmm. researched a lot of the the knowledge of the birch tree and the historical and cultural influences, and then did a tribute to that tree. And then there was one about the Great Lakes that yeah, Casey Morrison Casey Morrison founded. And then um, Akari's set uh, was also like improvisation in in, uh, in conversation with wildflowers that each performer had picked that day. Mm. Like, so it's kind of interesting. Yeah, it seems like nature is kind of like a part of our spirit or something. Yeah, it's almost like that's the case. Yeah, it's funny because um, I guess tying it back into the spiritual practice of things. Like, mm. I I grew up in a fairly um, well. I, my my parents are divorced, so I grew up in two kind of practices. One of them was the the large scale um, mega churches sort of vibes, mm-hmm. and then the other, and which was a very non denominational Christian, like mm-hmm. you know, writ large. And then the other was sort of a um, Episcopalian Lutheran, and then we called it like home church, and we would just mm-hmm. you know we kind of stopped going to. A, a, an institution and would instead kind of follow these practices. And, um, and I remember very clearly that my, um, uh, my mom's partner for a long time, uh, said that he went to the church of mountain and plain. And that was just like, I didn't really get it at the time. Mm. And then I was thinking about like, that was the same person that taught me about, um, ethical practices of fishing and hunting and like how to, how to go camping and like not leave a a big impact on the, you know, we're on the site and things like that, which those are, you know, kind of small scale things. But I think that's, I think that's like my, my church now is the church of mountain and plain. Um, Mm. so I'm pretty, I, I find myself most at peace when I'm able to be outside and, and what I was doing this whole, last summer, uh, where, where I got these sounds in Ecuador and then, um, a little bit of time in Southeast Alaska. And, uh, and since then I've gone a few other places throughout the contiguous U S. Um, but it, it's really fun to improvise in the middle of nowhere, um, and just play music with like birds and with the wind and with the water. And the, it's, it's sort of tying into the ideas that, Pauline's work brings to the picture for me is that it's no judgment. You are there to experience and listen and respond with intent. Um, and it's a lot more listening than responding a lot of times, but, um, 
I never am critiqued either about what's going on. Although I do, I do feel like sometimes when I was in Ecuador, the, the soundscape was responding in ways that it was telling me like, that wasn't the right idea. I want you to try again. Mm. Um, and I had different experiences throughout those improvisations where, uh, yeah, where the, the ecosystem would respond differently based on what I was offering. Um, Mm. but kind of tying that all in, I, I never, well, I always feel really good and at peace and happy. Um, and so I think that's where a lot of my performance has taken me is more of just like playing by myself in the middle of nowhere for any beings that are willing to listen. <laughs> and it's really fun. <laughs> yeah. So would you say that you have like any kind of formalized practice spiritually or is it more so like being out like the, I've never, is that, is that a phrase mountain and church, church of mountain and plain? Church of mountain and plain. It is now. <laughs> it's a um, phrase. Yeah, I I mean I I have my own sort of spiritual practice. I I meditate um every day at least once if not twice a day. Mm. Um that's part of that is uh finding stillness within my body is a really difficult thing for me to do. Mm-hmm. Um particularly with my mind and and trying to find ways to shut it off, but do it in a in a um gentle way yeah I be think kind that's, to yourself not like hey, yeah down, you mind the gentle <laughs> thing was always the 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 biggest trick with um with my meditation practices and i've, I've tried a couple of different schools of meditation um mm-hmm. right now i the one that has worked the best for me is the transcendental meditation mm-hmm. um and i think in terms of other spiritual practices uh it's really about like how can i be kind to other people mm-hmm. and and show them the love and kindness that they deserve and listen to them when they need to be listened to. And then when can I like, and do the same thing for the beings in our natural world. Um, so a lot of that practice for me has turned into like uh, carrying a field guide around so I can learn about the different trees and, and like plants and, you know, critters that are on my walks that I like to do or, or things like that. So that I feel like I'm having a closer relationship to where I'm living. Um, so that's, I think that's more of my, my spiritual practice at this point. Yeah. That last part resonates with me because just the more I learn about the animacy of plants and animals and fungi, like the more I learn about the relationship between them, if I can learn about like, Oh, this bird likes eating that berry or like this fungi likes that tree. Y'all are mm-hmm. buddies or y'all are fighting. Mm-hmm. It kind of like helps me feel connected and feel like we're all kind of a community or exchanging things. Yeah. So. I mean, even at the, I have a, an Aspen branch tattoo, um, and a Pauline tattoo, but, uh, mm-hmm. my, my Aspen branch one was my, it was a drawing from my uncle who was like a second father figure to me and and he passed away a few years ago so i was like kind of a reminder thing but also the aspen tree is such a beautiful being in that like it's not just a single tree like all of their root systems are connected underground and it's tens of thousands of them all at the same time and so when you impact one it impacts that entire community and i think that that's a really interesting um kind of ethical approach to take as well with this with conservation and preservation yeah what i a, a, a thing I was really enjoying about what you were talking about. There, there are a lot of circles I'm in right now, and a lot of like my my friends who are in very different spiritual backgrounds. But like talking about the relationship between our spirituality and our ethics, and how like spiritual practice is a means of like that's one of our tap roots um, that kind of 
gets us oriented to how we do want to be more ethical in the world around us. And it's like, if, uh, um, if it's not in relationship to like what we're doing in the world, then like, what are we doing? It's just a kind of like navel gazing narcissism, but it actually like, but actually our spirituality in general, like if you're not doing a relationship to someone. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, but then how does, you know, even something as seemingly like very much just of the self, like stillness, actually does become a practice about being more attentive to other people in the world mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then like that relationship's actually really critical. Um, yeah. It's not about like achievement unlocked. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm, I'm the best at meditating <laughs> yeah. now. Give I have me. transcended. I'm the most God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but I think that there's something to be said about that too with this sound and silence idea is that like there's a lot of listening that happens internally mm-hmm. that doesn't happen. And, and like when we come together in these communities and we experience these things together, that the idea of the communitas is that you're like you as a collective are impacted in some way. And, um, you know, a lot of Pauline's journals and things when she was starting to develop these, these tech scores showed that, um, not only were there kind of emotional and musical and, and spiritual alignments, um, it, this was particularly with a group of women, um, but there were also like alignments with like menstrual cycles and with like physical nature within their bodies that was happening. And I think that's really cool. And so if we, if we have time tonight, I, I'm going to close with sort of an internal listening practice um, that'll kind of lead us into that silence space uh, that, that Pauline wrote, um, just kind of getting us listening internally as well. You jumped on what was going to be, uh, might be a good wrap up question, which was like, you know, is, is some of what, you know, you were talking about improvising out in the woods and that kind of being a spiritual practice. And I was wondering if some of what you're doing tonight is kind of giving us a window into that, like otherwise really private practice. Yeah. And yeah. the funny thing is that like, this is, this is the rub with wanting to do something that is art based and creative and, and finding ways that like, okay, well I do have to pay my bills. Um, I also have, like, I want to do these things that bring me joy and that are kind of sacred in that way. And I've realized throughout this um, journey over the last, you know, year and a half or two years or so that I think my performance, at least this facet of my performance life, is one that is for me and that is sacred and that I can, like, use as a place of bringing joy rather than as Mm. something that I'm fun, like, that I'm financially obligated to market to other people. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I think it is a little bit of that window internally, but, um, I hope that it encourages people to kind of go off and try it out in their world. Like, you know, especially around here with the summers and, um, all the bugs and things that come around, like going up to a tree. I did this last year. Um, and there was just this like amazing tree on, uh, Princeton's campus when Cameron and I were on tour and, um, there were like oodles of cicadas. I, obviously I couldn't count them. It was also like dark outside, but I just went up to the tree and started like improvising with them and like vocalizing with them. And it was so much fun. And it just like, it was like four minutes long. And then I, um, walked back to where I was staying and I was like, wow, I feel really good. You know, <laughs> so sometimes like taking that pause and just letting yourself exist and, um, yeah, it's it's a really fun time. I, I highly encourage it. Yeah. I think it's kind of our, um, maybe a good wrap-up question, uh, 
actual wrap-up question could be, um, are there any, uh, any projects or things going on th- uh, that you'd like to plug? Um, oh, sure. While we're, yeah. while we're here? Um, well, I have, it's sort of unrelated to this, but I have my debut album that's releasing in July of this year, um, Mm. that features nine, uh, percussion solos that are like percussion plus. So Mm. with speaking, with electronics, things like that, that I've written, um, over the past, it took me almost a decade to put this together. Um, but related to this, my, um, well, two things. This is this is part of my dissertation, which is going to premiere in summer of 24. Um, and it's going to be a, an hour-long um, sonic Mad Libs, if you will, where the skeleton of the music will be the same, but there will be improvisation space for the performers to engage with and directly interact with their soundscapes and see what happens with that. Um, it's going to be for about 20 musicians, uh, and it's going to be really quiet music. So long piece of music, large scale, very quiet. Um, does that relate to the ecology idea at all? Does. Of like not wanting to disturb? Yeah, absolutely. It's going to, I mean, how can we, um, how can we engage if we're just playing really loud? Mm-hmm. Unless that's what's being asked of us. But I think it'll end up being some pretty quiet music. Um, and I'm building a festival around that. So oh. uh, I'm hoping that the the festival will be a a two-day um, traveling festival. So it'll happen, you know, three or four times every year um, and will include elements of uh, lots of music performances, but also, like, talking about um, conservation and preservation through poetry and oral histories and um, community service uh, will be a part of it. And then educational programming by um, by scientists, by culture bearers, by people who want to kind of uh, offer their... Um, their expertise on how we can take care of our our land. So it's a it's a music festival, but it's also like an environmental conservation through sound festival. That's um, awesome. So it's like a festival that you're starting. Yeah, or? yeah. Ooh, so awesome. it's going to be project, yeah. yeah. So that's going to be happening also in summer '24, and the the dissertation is kind of tying into that as one of the uh, one of the pieces that'll be featured on that on that first year of the festival. Where's the best place for us to like? Uh, keep track, uh, like to follow your work, uh, so I can, you know, get the alert of when the festival's going to be. Sure. Yeah. Um, my website is, uh, probably the best one. It's alexislam.com. Lamb, like the animal. All right. Um, like Ba, as I usually say. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not great at social media things. I am on Facebook and Instagram and things, but the website, I, I do try and keep up with it at, for the most part. So yeah, please be on the lookout for it. Um, for a year and a half from now, which seems far out, but it'll come around very quickly. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for taking the time. Yeah. And, uh, thank you, thank you for hosting. Really me. looking forward to uh, hearing what the what you're, the journey you're going to take us on. Yeah. We're going to hear sounds in approximately 35 minutes. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you so much. All right. If you're listening and have any questions, comments, suggestions, or just want to say hi please feel free to email us at canterburyhouse at umich.edu or we are on the internet on Instagram and Facebook. You can say hi there too. Or if you're in town, feel free to say hi in person at Sound and Silence, which happens Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. during the Umich academic year. And if you'd like to support Sound and Silence directly, we greatly appreciate that. It helps us continue the podcast, continue the program, supporting artists and interfaith community building. 
and you can do so at canterburyhouse.org slash donate. Thank you.